0: Hey guys, and welcome, finally, to another episode of the Spurs Eighty Two 2 Plus Podcast. Sorry we haven't been around for a while, um, a multitude of things happened, the World Series happened, so like everything halted for about a week while we waited anticipatingly for the Astros to win. Thank God they did, otherwise it would have felt really bad for all of this. And then after that, there was a lot of school stuff, you know, TJ and I are still in college, so we're still doing stuff, and then JD, you know, crunch time at work, so we just hadn't been able to get together and record, but now we finally have, and here we are, and oh boy, have we gotten far, far
1: behind from what we were trying to do originally. Yeah. Sorry. It's your guys' project, I'm just here to do whatever you say. To be fair, we did try to do a couple podcasts, but they did not turn out
0: good at all. Yeah, we did try recording one before we got too far behind, but it had, like, all 15 minutes, and TJ and I were stumbling over our words constantly and could not think of anything to talk about, so we said, forget it, wait till the next one, and then that's when the whole delays hit because that's when games six and seven of the World Series happened. And, of course, baseball, you play every day, so that's two days you can't record because we're too busy with the four hours that those games take. And then immediately after that, our birthday happened, so we pretty much spent all day doing those type of things. So, yeah, there you go. So a lot of things have happened. Namely, we lost four games in a row, I think. It was like four Something or Something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, it was the Magic, Pacers... Uh, yeah, Magic Pacers, takes Golden State, and then we finally broke the cross with against the Charlotte. Where, by that, I mean we broke the sh- losing streak against the Charlotte Hornets. We beat them, and then we beat uh, the we, Suns. Yeah, we just beat the Suns to Sunday. And what's really ironic is the last episode we recorded, we were talking about whether or not we could possibly go undefeated up until
1: Golden State. Well, there's there's your answer. No. No. But here's the thing, we should have seen this coming. We really should have because the thing about this particular season so far is that we finally know, even though we finally have LaMarcus where he needs to be, we now 100%, no doubt, know that until Kawhi Leonard comes back or until we get Tony Parker back on that rotation, we are playing as an incomplete team that has had multiple pieces drop the ball consistently. No. I'm going to I'm gonna
0: disagree with you on that last point and let me explain why. Part of the reason why this losing streak caught a lot of us off guard was because we were so expecting to not be so good at the beginning that when we went 4-0, we kind of let our expectations get ahead of ourselves. It's not that people have been dropping the ball. Oh, it's, there's one person who has, and I'm going to go in on it. In a minute, okay? Let me finish my statement. It's not that people have been dropping the ball. It's not necessarily that we are an incomplete team. And the point is, we don't have Kawhi. We don't have Tony. The fact that we did as well as we have and that we're still well within the playoffs and well within striking distance of second seed without Tony or Kawhi for all of October and possibly all of November is a testament to the Spurs and how well they've been doing, especially when you consider that most of our roster playing a good chunk of our minutes are younger than
1: 25 years old. Now, on that, I do not disagree, but I will, I you know, I have to say it. There's a couple of guys that are on our roster that straight up have been letting me down. And I don't mean that in, uh, oh, my God, what is going on? No, look, slumps are real. They are. It doesn't change the fact that you don't get frustrated, especially when you look at the circumstances around them. Besides Patty Mills, who are you talking about? Because Patty Mills is, no, like his slump was ridiculous. And that's where most of like the anger and the vitriol is coming from. Let's be real here, guys. We all love Patty Mills. He's a great guy. He's a great player. He gave us a discount during the offseason. But we also just gave him a ton of money and a long-term contract. And this is what we get. It's 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 just so frustrating. Even though you know that this is not his standard, that he is gonna come back from it, and you have faith in them, it doesn't change the fact that it's happening at a time when we need all the help that we can get. Timmy,
0: you, your reply. You do know he got seventeen points against the Suns on Sunday, so I think his slump is over, and that the reason for a slump is the reason why the Spurs have played kind of bad recently, which is the same reason why everyone's played bad recently, which is the same reason why Golden State has three losses going into the season already. Exactly. One answer, which we've already talked about earlier in this podcast, which we will probably continue to talk about until later on in the season, they shortened the preseason. Yeah less reps means that you're going to have more garbage early games. More garbage early games means that the people who tend to do better uh, later on the season will suck at the beginning of the season. And Patty is someone who
1: let's face it, he takes time to rev up. And once he revs up, he's fine. But again, like to make it clear, the reason I'm going off on it is because, I, like, I'm not kidding. I, we've talked about this over and over. Like, the worst part about waiting this long in between the episodes is that you don't have that time to vent so it comes across as really strange now when Mills did just go off but it's it's the elephant in the room you have to bring it up it, it's been a while since we last talked and the fact of the matter is that his drought was pretty ridiculous no doubt no doubt
0: and I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with our team there's plenty wrong with our team but I also know that it's it's November and most of these games happened in October. The season doesn't end till March. There's yeah. plenty of time to go and plenty of time for us to learn and grow from all this. Um so let's let's kind of go back. Let's talk about what have we learned from these losses before we get into the two bounce back wins. Let's just talk about the losses. The first thing I want to bring up is the fact that there's one man you cannot blame for these losses. You can blame lots of people for losses. You can blame lots of people who screwed up, lots of people whose stats weren't up to par, lots of people who we had expectations that didn't live up to, lots who lived up to expectations but showed how um, they're still developmental prospects still. They're still developing. But there's one person who you cannot blame anything on. You cannot blame their contract. You cannot blame their efforts. LaMarcus
1: Aldridge
0: 100% you go back look at all those box scores pretty much averaging a double double like we all expected him to when we first signed him two years ago yeah you can argue yeah well, that was two years ago why do we care about this now how about the fact that we extended his contract that now we've got him under four million I mean four years four more years how about the fact that I, I've seen this a lot people are saying are we trying to trade him is it because of x or y it's like no look here's how it is I don't know if we were trying to trade him or not. Frankly, I don't care because we have him now and we have him for the long term. Maybe we'll try to trade him later. Maybe we won't. Who knows? But if there's one thing I do know, Pop doesn't blow smoke in interviews. And when Pop says he was mishandling LaMarcus, he was mishandling LaMarcus. Pop does not say, oh, I screwed up. Did he say he screwed up with Richard Jefferson? No. Did he say he screwed up with Dennis Rodman? No. No. No, he traded Wadman, like, as soon as he could. My point is, the fact that he said he screwed up with LaMarcus tells you all you need to know about why LaMarcus is doing better now and what our commitment to him as a player is. Just straight up, this isn't rocket science. Popovich is many things, he says a lot of different things, whether you agree with a lot of things he says or not doesn't, doesn't matter. The point is, if he says something, he means it. Period. Now let's talk about people who... Had some ups, had some downs, but overall we can think positively over this. Let's start with obviously the elephant in the room in terms of you know positives and negatives. DeJounte Murray. Yeah. He's had games where he looks fantastic. Absolutely. He's had games
1: where he looks just as young as he is. But that's okay because again, this is his second year. He's doing very well for a second year prospect that own that really, let's face it, is playing a little bit clipped. Because bear in mind DeJounte is in, right now, a very prominent position on a team that he's not supposed to be in a very prominent position. He's supposed to be there as a support staff, and yet he's out there being a leader because we're down one of our main guys, our our top guy, and one of our standard vets
0: in Tony Parker. More importantly than that, Tony Parker is the offense in terms of facilitation and in terms of actual ball handling. He's the team captain for a reason. He was co captains with Timmy for a reason, and there's a reason why when Tim Duncan left, he became regular team captain because he is the leader in terms of who gets the ball and when. And as we saw last year, especially as we saw in the playoffs, even though we know sometimes Tony Parker has a tendency to Fall into hero ball when the going gets tough. He's learned to trust his teammates more over the years. We've seen this from him. And the last playoffs, we saw him just throwing assists left and right. And in 2014, he was doing that too. My point is that Tony Parker knows the offense and he knows it well. And now you have to replace him with a sophomore year rookie. With a guy who this is his second year. He's still young. He's still developing. And he's doing remarkable. That's the thing. The bad games he has... He's allowed to have those bad games because that's him learning. That's him growing. And because we also know he'll have those good games too, those games where he looks like he's already a pro. And I mean, like, yeah, he's a pro. He's in the
1: NBA, but I mean like a true pro, like an all-star. Exactly. And and that's the big takeaway from it is that he is maturing into his role and he's doing a very good job at it. You know, there is someone else that has done a lot of growing during the offseason and in the last post. And we talked about it a lot already, but it goes without mentioning how great it is to no longer have to deal with the liability that was Danny Green's two-point game. Yeah, I mean, really, that is something that we wouldn't really need to talk about because, I mean,
0: he he still has... He's still icy on, okay? He's still going to occasionally not make any threes. He's still going to occasionally not make any twos. But he's he's now gone to the point where more often than not who at least get you six points, whether that's from a couple of threes or from working
1: it into the paint and getting some good assists who at least get you at least six points. The most important thing about that is that he's no longer just easy to shut down. It's no longer you can just throw the prim on him, done. Yeah, and I have to
0: constantly come up with new things to say about Danny Green when I talk about him because I always talk about him. You know, he's kind of one of my guys. Mm-hmm. But every time I do it, it allows me to really understand more of his game. And one of the things that him being able to dribble, him being able to do these layups and able to you know drive into the paint now, it allows for a better motion offense. Because one of the things I've seen when we're doing well, have we have great off-ball movement, we have great motion offense, we have guys running around and passing, just like in 2014, and when we're doing poorly, usually everyone's just kind of standing there. And it's not because ISO ball begets that, but it's because we're doing so bad that all we got left is ISO ball. Yeah, which is why we can say that Lamorcus is the only person doing work when we have bad games because he's the only one he can really ISO besides Rudy Gay, who, by the way, has good stats, especially considering the injury he's coming off of. He's been playing
1: well. He is another one of those that we knew that we got a really good discount on him, and we went to bat with him very early on. But, um, no, he's actually proven to be probably the the low-key best hidden gem of the offseason in terms of all the deals. And he runs the hammer play so well. Did you see the
0: the Suns game hammer play was just so beautiful. I just, it blew my mind that he was across, across the courts, passed it all the way to Brent Forbes, and no one was there so Brent could shoot an open three. And it felt like he had days to shoot that three. It felt like he would be shooting that three in the next game because no one was going for him. Because of how well Rudy Gay pulled that play off. No doubt. Now, we could go on and on about really gay because how awesome he is and how much we love that we signed him. But, you know, at this point, we'd just be saying the same things over and over, so we're just going to say he's really gay. And that's all you need to know. Now, there's one thing I want to real quick touch upon because it's something I've kind of noticed. There's some players, when you see them on the roster, you don't hear about them, but you know no news is good news. Because 9 times out of 10, if you see their name brought up, it's because people are complaining. So... Believe me when I say no news is good news whenever it comes to Pal Gasol. Right, guys?
1: Yeah, no. That after last season, where you couldn't turn anywhere on the Spurs internet or the even the NBA <coughs> where you wouldn't see someone calling out how ridiculous our pow deal was what is pal gasol doing what is pop thinking the front office is insane even last year it's like why is pow on the floor why
0: are we paying him this much why did we sign him to begin with where's his defense you know so on so forth, so on and it's not that those are not bad questions to ask it's not that if you ask those you're an idiot no that's not what we're saying but what we're saying is the fact of the matter is He must be playing pretty well if no one's complaining about him. Well, it's because he knows how to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I did straight up say, I I remember typing on one of the posts saying that that's going to be my my response from now on. When anyone asks, why are we signing Gasol? Why is he on the floor? Etc, etc. I'm going to say because he knows how to play. Because of that Zach Lowe article. Did you read that one, bro? I did not. Can you fill me in on that? Okay, so Zach Lowe did the... Every once in a while, well, Zach Lowe does these 10 things he likes and slash dislikes. In other words, it's not 10 things I like, 10 things I dislike. It's just 10 things about the NBA. Sometimes there are things he likes, sometimes there are things he doesn't. And one of the things he mentioned was that he wasn't too sure about the PAL Gasol deal. Because he remembered he was talking about uh, talking with a Spurs guy, one of the guys in the front office, about the Gasol deal. He wasn't too hot on it, but the guy... On the Spurs were so pumped, and he was like, "Why do you? Why are you so excited for this? You know this deal?" And he said, "Because he knows how to play." And he just kept saying that over and over. And Zach Lowe didn't understand why he would care about a guy who, quote unquote, knows how to play. He but even then he, said, he even Zach Lowe even said that the guy who was talking to the front office guy was kind of baffled that Zach didn't understand what he meant, like didn't understand why he didn't.
1: He didn't he get it. Yeah. yeah.
0: He didn't get it. And then Zach Lowe said that when he was watching the Spurs play earlier this season, you know, back when we were still doing really, really well, he understood what he meant by he knows how to play. Because when you have five guys who know how to play, quote unquote, and they execute, they're unstoppable. Because yeah, maybe they're not the Draymond Greens, the Clay Thompsons or these, you know, super teams, the Paul George's and the Carmelo Anthony's, who are amazing. But not everyone on those teams know how to play. As in, they don't know the system. They don't have it all memorized. Mm-hmm. They don't, when when Pop tells you to jump, they don't ask how high. And it's not that these players don't have that drive or anything like that. It's just a matter of they aren't in, they don't have that mentality. Pal- and the th-
1: thing is that it's it's such a, the Spurs system in particular requires that. So I, I get it.
0: Exactly. And Palgasol Gasol has that mentality. And guys like Kyle Anderson and Bryn Forbes have that mentality. That's why they succeed here, where others fail. It's also probably why we let Jonathan Simmons go, because Jonathan Simmons—he's definitely a go-getter. He's got that drive and stuff. But he's also a guy who he wants to let—he wants to have more control of his own, his own style, his own work, his own destiny, for lack of a better term. I'd say he wants more creative freedom exactly and pops like but you know in, in the Spurs system pops the it's a military thing we we it's make the air out. force we make the air force thing joke the entire time but it's true pops the commander and everyone else are the the soldiers he he lays out the game plan and everyone else executes it either you do it or you go and yeah there's exceptions to that rule like you know mommy nobly will do things that go completely against Pop's game plan, but Pop understands that sometimes you have a little bit of that chaotic element to it. But that's because Monty became his trusted lieutenant. Yep. Exactly. So, you know, Pau Gasol is a soldier. He's willing to do what you tell him to do. And if you notice, we've been playing him in a little less minutes than usual. Of course, that's relatively speaking. He's still playing, like, 18 minutes a game. But he used to be playing, like, you know, 22. Right. But still... He's playing well, he's not doing huge lapses on defense, and the fact that he is a big guy in a world of small ball means that he's able to be a much better rim protector than he used to, and he was already pretty decent at it. And when he actually gets open looks, he's still knocking down those threes. Exactly, he's still a very good three-point shooter, so it's not like you're getting rid of your spacing there either. And more importantly than any of that, because he's tall, he gets the rebounds. And he's been actively getting them. He doesn't look lackadaisical, as uh, Sean Elliott loves to say on the uh, commentary. He doesn't look like that when the rebounds are coming off. He always tries to go get them. He doesn't always succeed, but the point is he's giving that effort. And that's more important in the early season than anything else. Moving on, let's talk about um, some of the negatives. We talked about Patty Mills. Yeah, let's, let's not go into that one. Did anyone else almost forget that Davis Bertans was on this team? Well, he hasn't really played that much, and I'm not gonna lie, I kind of figured as much because he's a good shooter when he has it going. But other than that, that's pretty much it. His defense needs much to be desired. Yep. Um, and he's a weird, he's a weird small power forward shooting player that. He doesn't really have a position, which is fine. The Spurs never really play position basketball to begin with. But the problem is that even in position as Spurs basketball, it's hard to find the actual position for him, if you know what I mean. It's like his minutes, the minutes that he would get either go to Kyle or someone like Brent Forbes, who has, while not as good D, it, well, I'd say, actually, no, that's a lie. Brent Forbes is better D. I'm sorry, it's true. Uh, and while not as big can shoot the ball just as good in my opinion when he has it going. I think that's underselling Brent Forbes' shooting ability. Cause remember, one of, that Charlotte win was behind Brent Forbes going off with twenty nine points. Yep. that's true. I I forgot about that. So yeah, Brent Forbes probably can shoot better than him. Well, I think it's also because he can. He, he's a guard. That's the thing. You have you have one player who's. Doesn't really have a true position, and then you have a bunch of other players who have who can fit into true positions, and Pop's just using them more because they fit better into the rotation. Another guy who I kind of forget was on the team, not because I don't remember him or like what I saw from him, but because he just kind of disappeared. Was a uh, Joffrey Laverne. Um, he got injured. I know he got injured, but my point is, we all thought it was just gonna be like a you know a week or two. He's not going to be back for another, I think, four days or something. Well, I mean, stuff happens. It's basketball. May, I? They're probably either being more cautious, or it was a little bit worse than we thought it was. And I think that's what I heard, that it was worse than we thought it was, and that's why he's been off for so long. And that's made the whole, and I think that's another reason why we're suffering a little, because not only do we not have Kawhi, not only do we not have Tony Parker, but we already had limited bigs. And we're another big down.
1: That That's definitely concerning. And that might be the real reason that we're seeing as small of a lineup as we are. It may not actually be that Pop is 100% committed, although it's obvious that whether he likes it or not, he's committed.
0: I mean, he's already committed because we've only got three true bigs. That's Lamarcus, Powell, and Joffrey. That's what makes this hilarious because we're, we're running on just two bigs. We're small because we literally are built to be small but we don't have any of our zeroes bigs for the other bigs, so now we're running with a super small lineup for the Spurs instead of just regular small. Right. Keep in mind, super small for us is kind of like regular small for everyone else. Um. So, yeah, I, I hope he comes back and he does well. I think it was just a ankle injury, I think. Ankle sprain. Ankle sprain, so hopefully his movement and athleticism, I know he doesn't have too much of either, I mean, quote-unquote, I mean, he's not spectacular either. People don't note that, but, you know, these are still pro basketball players. They've all got movement and athleticism. That's just how you have to be, at least compared to the rest of us. Yep. But the point is, I hope he comes back just as good as he was playing when he got injured. Um, Let's see. Kyle Anderson. There's a guy who no one's talking about. And that's probably for the best, not because of it's bad thing, but because I don't want people knowing just what we got with him.
1: Yeah, again, Kyle is a very unique talent, just in the way that he plays. I mean, beyond the whole slow-mo thing, he's just got a very good handle on where he needs to be, what he needs to do, really good at handling that.
0: The guy is probably one of the best X-Factors, kind of like how Boris Diaz used to be, at least in 2014. Mm-hmm because he can literally play any position one through four. He's got the handles of a point guard. He's got the size of a small forward. He's got the IQ of some of the best out there in terms of being able to recognize plays. He can, he can play any position one through four because of all these things. He's got all these tools. But, of course, that gets to that jack-of-all-trades master of none thing. Because he can play all these positions, he's got no true position. We've been slotting him in at small forward because Pop knows that Kawhi is going to be starting there. And when Kawhi comes back, he wants, you know, Rudy Gay is going to be in the bench. And he likes to keep he likes to keep the uh, cohesiveness there. So the question is, what happens to Kyle after Kawhi comes back? He just subs in for the Marcus. I mean, who who's subbing in for the Marcus right now? no one because usually Joffrey or Pal do that. Right. No, well, but the here's is, Joffrey, the thing though. Joffrey is, come, here, here's how it works. Joffrey comes in for Pal and we keep Lamarcus in there for a little bit longer. That's what if you notice, that's why Lamarcus has been playing a lot more minutes. Once Kawhi comes back, Kyle will be uh, um sub. Yeah. Sub. Because the truth is, you said he has the the body of a small forward and that's true, but he has the length of a power forward in fact he played uh, I believe he actually played a lot of power forward in college I could be wrong but I want to say power forward in college I wouldn't doubt that because I know that as the story goes the reason why he's got the handles of a point guard was because I think his dad made him practice at point guard when he was young because he knew just due to his natural body type that he was gonna be taller than most kids his age and he didn't want him being a uh, what's the term I'm looking for um, pigeonhole. There we go. Because he didn't want him being pigeonholed into being just a power forward because who knows how tall he's actually going to be when it's all said and done. Right. So we can play power forward. And that's the thing. So we'd have the we'd have Joffrey coming in for Powell, him Kyle coming in for Marcus, Rudy coming in for Kawhi. Patty coming in for DeJounte slash TP. And of course Monty coming in for Danny Green. And there's your first ten players. Subbing Brian for Forbes when you want more shooting, or Brandon Paul when you want more defense. Maybe even uh Davis if you really want str- to uh, stretch the floor when it comes to see the bigs. And, uh, and if it's garbage time throughout Derek quite. Let's talk about that Spur- Suns game now that we've kind of gone over all the different players. You mean the half we actually got to see? Yes, the half we actually got to see about that. Um, I forgot the game was even happening, and when I went to record it, daylight savings time literally occurred the day before, so I honestly thought I was recording it, the whole thing. Nope, only half, but I caught the half time instead, so there you go, we only saw half the game, but it's probably for the best, because apparently the Spurs were trailing by four in that first half, so instead we gotta see the amazing second half where they blew the Suns out completely. They blew them out so bad that when we got to the garbage time in fourth quarter at ni- with nine minutes remaining, we gotta see the wikis rookies- well, not the Wookiees. The third string played like garbage, but still beat won the game. Still beat them by double digits. But yeah, that was a uh, that was fun to see the the young guys go. It was fun to see this to see the Spurs finally just decimate a team like they're supposed to. Because I mean, like they they did do well against um Charlotte, but at the same time, when it's behind Bryn Forbes, I love the guy, but come on, <laughs> let's be real here. Well, I that, that says one of two things. One, it shows that he can waste the occasion. And two, it shows that, well, sometimes even when a good player is having bad games, we can at least be confident knowing that we can have guys step up. Right. But it was nice to just see a little glimpse of what would happen when we're all firing on all cylinders, even as injured and not as um, locked in as we are right now. Mm-hmm. Let's see, stuff you want to talk about, about around the league, or do you want to keep going with this uh, topic right now? Well, what I want to know is, do we finally have a timetable on when is going to come back? Yeah, um, last I heard, we got about three weeks, give or take. And that was a few days ago, so it might be more like two and a half now. It's going to drive me insane. Then Tony's supposed to be back... Late November, early December, so like we've all kind of been expecting him to, and that's officially confirmed by yeah. the office, right? And then cool. Joffrey should be a few days from now, so it'll be Joffrey, Kawhi, Tony in that order. So we should be at full, we should be at full strength by mid-December, hopefully, and that's probably for the best because that's when everyone else will start locking in a bit too. Um, and that also gives us all of uh. 2018 to just really do well and get in gear. Um, yeah, that's on the injury front. I'm trying to think what else really happened. Let's see. Let's move on a little bit. Do you know who the uh, top seeds in the Eastern and Western Conferences are right now? Currently, as of November uh, 6th, it is the top seeds in the East, or Boston, Detroit, somehow still in the in, in the top. Uh, ma- the Magic, the Wizards, the Sixers, the Knicks, and the Hornets. Oh my goodness! The Cavs are not even in the playoff uh, seeds. Wow, they're actually the third worst team. Uh, the, the yeah, third worst team in the East right now, with four six. Wow. That is... I'm shocked.
1: All right, and how about the Western Conference?
0: Rockets, Wolves, Warriors, who have the same record as the Wolves, um, the Grizzlies, the Blazers, and the Spurs all have 6-4 records, and then the Clippers uh, have uh, one less win than the Spurs, and then the 8th seed is the Jazz with an even record tied with the Pelicans, Lakers, and Nuggets. The Thunder or the fourth worst team in the West, with the worst team being on um, both conferences being the Mavericks and the Hawks, who we already know are probably both tanking. That's interesting that we've got teams like the Thunder and the Cavs aren't even in the seeding right now. I mean, once again, it's early November. None of this means anything right. for I
1: to me it's not shocking that the thunder are there. I know, I know, I know disrespect and all that, but seriously, l- look at their lineup and you tell me how they're supposed to be too too much higher than where they are right now. It Keyword t- right now. It takes time, so I'm that's why I didn't react in shock. It's like, "Oh, look, the Thunder are there. They still need some work. Yeah, I mean the thing about it is that they're they're let's just be real, they're not an elite team. They are not. They have not been. And chances are they're not going to be a, an elite team. They have an elite player that doesn't make their team instantly incredible. But, but but Carmelo. Fat and overrated. On that, we can agree.
0: Okay, just so you guys know, the reason why I always make fun of Carmelo first and foremost is because we used to live in Colorado Springs, which is like an hour away from Denver. So I would always hear nothing but Carmelo Anthony this and Carmelo Anthony that. So I always had this – people always were telling me how this guy's this amazing player. And once I started actually watching baseball, of course – not baseball, <laughs> baseball. Basketball.
1: God, you're stuck in the World Series. <laughs> I am. I am. Go Groves. I, I mean, I, I, mean I, I guess that would be a sport that's a little bit more conductive to his eating habits. No, but when I started actually like
0: legitimately following, following basketball game by game – of course, it was during his washed up period in the Knicks. So suddenly, my perception of what this guy's supposed to be great is like this is the most overrated player ever. I know that's not how he is, especially back in back in Denver. But you gotta understand, that's I don't my know, perspective, man.
1: It, it, I know there's a couple other
0: washouts that were overhyped like this, but here's the thing. Carmelo is interesting in the sense that he was supposed to how he's touted as this amazing guy, and if you actually look at his his stats, he's not as bad as you think he is right now. So he's still legitimately an all star, but because you're used to hearing about him on this level that he's supposed to be this A level, and right now he's at like B, B plus, B minus, he depending on what how good of a day he's having. So because of that, he no matter what expectations you have, it's always disappointing. Only Hoodie Mellow can be an A. <laughs> You've heard of that, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm just making sure you know about Hoodie Mellow, at least.
1: hmm
0: So, yeah, there's that. I love how when talking about the Thunder, we just completely ignored Paul George. It's because we all know he's going to Lakeland next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's phoning it in. He's phoning it in. Come on. Can you blame him? If he gets his way in on the coattails of Russ, great, but... You know, it it was just one of those things where everyone's trying to build themselves a super team. Everyone's trying to get their big names, get that one shot to ring, and we all know what's going to happen. They're just going to get steamrolled by the usual suspects once they get their their mojo on.
0: Speaking of the usual suspects, let's keep in mind because we we brought up the Cavs. It's still LeBron's team over there, and they're still four and six. So I don't know what's going on over there, especially because. They were supposed to have quote unquote gotten better. Well, first off, Isaiah Thomas is still injured. Right. That's probably the main reason why they're not doing well, because they traded their point guard for another amazing point guard, and that amazing point guard is not playing, so And
1: that's the thing you have to look at with regards to the current standings of all these teams. I mean, the the big elite teams, which are, you know, your Spurs, your Warriors, your Cavs. All of them are not playing at full strength. The only team that you could say is remotely close to playing at full strength is Golden State. And even then, they're going through some weird, weird trouble right now. Probably due to ego. Probably just, you know, the the honeymoon is over. Now they've got their ring.
0: Well, I think the big thing is that... I. Now, don't quote me on this. I don't really watch too many Golden State games, so I can't tell you what it is. And we're not really the best to talk about this when we consider that we got blown out by them just a couple games ago. But I do think part of the reason why they're having such a rough start this season is I think they're starting to buy into their own hype a little. Where, because the... Let, let's be honest. You, you go to RNBA, you go to any NBA forum or website... Slaint, whatever you go, wherever you go to. Were there any other huge NBA forms that I'm missing? No, but it's all over the me- way the sports right, just, media in general yeah, as well. Go anywhere, just literally look up the NBA, and you're probably gonna at some point find someone saying, "Well, it all means
1: nothing because the Warriors are just gonna win the finals anyways," which is just ridiculous. I mean, the thing about it is, this team is just as capable of choking epically as they are at winning a big one right but the point is that
0: everyone's saying that or at least that message is everywhere maybe not necessarily everyone's saying that but that message permeates the nba period like if you bring up the nba randomly someone will at some point bring that up within 15 minutes so if you were them wouldn't you and you're hearing this constantly when you start taking it easy a little bit
1: I mean how how does that not get to your head I mean it, it has to at some point it, especially it's not, when it's like they're they're f- they're going on their fourth year of relevance now right not of just relevance but of
0: dominance relevance because there's relevance like the Grizzlies are relevant every year even though like where are the Grizzlies right now they're like what six and three or something fourth seed six and four there you go but no one thought they would be relevant and yet here they are but then there's the other kind of relevant the relevant where you're constantly in playoff hunts it's relevance like the Celtics always have just because of their historic you know of their history or the Lakers because they're in Los Angeles and they're the Lakers i would say because they're in Los Angeles but we still have the clippers so who are always irrelevant because they're the clippers and then you got the Spurs who you know were going on 20 plus 50 win seasons. But then you got LeBron. Whatever teams he's on, they're suddenly championship contenders just because he's LeBron James. But the Warriors, this is their fourth year of that kind of relevance, and it doesn't look like it's slowing down anytime soon. So I don't blame them for starting to take it easy a little. In fact, you can't really call it cockiness or arrogance because everyone else is saying it about them. So I won't necessarily say they're egotists or anything about that. Draymond Green being the exception, but I'm always going to take any chance to bury Draymond Green. Um, even then, he's not that bad this season. He was worse last season, so I'll I'll give the I'll give the devil his due. But to be fair, he said they were going to start slow. So no, yeah, that's why I'm saying I'm not I'm not going to make him out to be this evil dude because he's not until he starts doing his natural shooting motion. Um, but anyways, my point is that they're starting off slow, and that's fine, but we know they're going to bounce back eventually, even if at least just to get more wins in their column. But what do the Cavs do? I mean, what if Isaiah Thomas shows up and they, they still suck?
1: I mean, that's the whole thing. How much longer can LeBron really realistically take this team, strap him on his back, and do it solo? I mean, you can't. He, How old is he now?
0: He's like 30, what, 37 now? No, no, I think he's only 35. Let me look it up. He's been playing for so long because he started when he was 18, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry if I got that age wrong.
1: It's just he's always been in the league since 07 to me. Well, the thing about it is that he's not a spring chicken, and like it or not, the man is slowing down. That's not to say that he's no longer an elite player. It's just that he's not at the same level as LeBron of old was. I mean, he's a different player know, now. Let's
0: face it, not even Michael Jordan could strap a team on his back and do it. He had Sky Pippen and Dennis Rodman for the second repeat. And he yeah. had Sky Pippen and other guys for the first repeat.
1: I mean, and that's the thing. As you get later and later into your career, I mean, it's been a decade since it was all about LeBron. Shaq couldn't do it. He had Kobe and Dwayne Wade for all of his rings. There you go. And that's the big thing. He's only 32. Huh. At
0: least I think, hold on, let me do some math real quickly. Because his birthday is 84, 94 he would have been 10, 2004 he was 20, 2014 he was 30, so 14, 15, 16, 17. Yeah, he's only, he's going to 233 this year.
1: Well, that was awkward.
0: Well, there you go, but still. Even so, though, that's the thing, it's like. I mean, don't get me wrong, we're not saying he's going away anytime no, soon. No,
1: no, no, it's just that he's entering the next phase of
0: his career. The other thing you have to keep in mind is, once again, he started when he was 18, so there's still miles on him. Obviously, Zill got plenty left to go, but at the same time...
1: Yeah, I mean, again... Look at Tony Parker. Exactly. He's not going anywhere. He's still gonna be around. He's still gonna do his thing. It's just that it's not gonna be at the same level as time goes on. And going back to my thing,
0: I think I can only think of one person... In the entire NBA, who actually legitimately carried the team on his back to win a championship and even repeat? And that's Akeem Lewis Can you think of anyone else who did that? No. Nope. And I know
1: someone somewhere out there is going to say, but Michael Jordan didn't play those years. Who cares? Even Jordan admitted that there was a good chance he would have lost. Or
0: Steph Curry gets injured, are you going to say there's an asterisk on that because this dude got injured? That's the game. People get injured.
1: It's it's No, that is entirely part of the game, and that shouldn't be seen as an asterisk. The whole point is they got hurt. They didn't make it. He retired and played baseball, either because he wanted to get away or because of that
0: gambling thing or whatever. I don't care about the conspiracies. The point is he left, and Akeem took the opportunity to get a couple of free rings. So no asterisks. You hear that, Phil Jackson? So it's like, honestly, he's the only guy I can think of because, I mean, if you look at the other of the guys like Bill Russell, he, I mean, you look at the state of the league when he was playing, but also he had a couple of other guys on those Celtics teams for their, like, what, nine rings in a row. Yeah. Um, Will Chamberlain got all of his on the uh, Lakers with uh Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right?
1: Mm-hmm
0: on the Lakers. Yeah, and so did uh, Magic also play with him as well. Yeah. And then Larry Bird had Mikhail and Parrish. And then um, Tim Duncan had uh, the Admiral and then Tony Amani. And the one year he did carry them on his back, it was only one year. There was no back-to-back. Exactly. It's like you can't carry... People rarely ever carry their teams to a championship, let alone two repeats the one time lebron actually 100 the junior league carried his team to a champ uh, to the finals he got swept by the Spurs. granted i don't even know how that Cavs team even made it to the finals to begin with so that was like the ultimate carrying of all carries but still no but the point is like if, if they can't get their act together i don't know what's gonna happen with the Cavs, and then the the NBA's dream rivalry that they love to just squeeze every last drop of, especially these past two years, is going to look real awkward when they're trying to explain how awesome the Toronto Warriors finals is going to look. The reason yeah. I chose Toronto is because they're one of those teams who, if the Cavs struggle, they're going to take advantage. And everyone's like, who? You know, I'm trying to think of the most realistic team who everyone's going to go, wait, they're in the finals? but it actually could happen if the self, uh, yeah. if the
1: if the Cavs can't make it if they can't bounce back. Well, and that's kind of the whole thing. You have to take that as what it is, which is a very real possibility cuz where we're at at this point in the season.
0: Although to be honest, I think more likely
1: would be like the Wizards cuz the Wizards are actually doing pretty well. Mhm. Well, that's that's the other thing to keep in mind is that the the East is finally starting to get a little bit more competitive. Granted, the West is still the heavyweight and will remain that, but it's we're starting to see at least a somewhat, you know, vague semblance of a move towards parity, ish. Yes and no. Some of that is because the
0: East is so weak that they're finally on each other's le- levels. Some of it is the fact that the uh, the West is so stacked that the West is kind of even on itself. Some of it is teams like the Magic just completely outplaying their. Uh, Perception, Yeah. Um, so some of that is them just being really good too. But I think a lot of it is just that record disparity is usually not the real problem. It's the one everyone focuses on, but the real problem is superstar disparity. And
1: when you really look at... Yeah, that has not gotten any better. That's only gotten worse, especially this past offseason. And, off and the thing is that it's going to continue to get worse when you bear in mind where all the big media markets are. When you When you look at the East, you realize that the only real media markets over there are New York and Georgia. What else is left? Miami. You forgot Miami. Miami. But even then, how are my Heat doing? They're actually doing pretty well for the Heat. Where are they right now, Teach?
0: They're 4-5. They played tonight, so I think they might have lost. Uh, But they're two spots behind. They're actually one spot behind 8th seed because 8th seed is tied between the Hornets and the
1: Pacers. Keep in mind that they've had some injuries in themselves as well. Right, but the point is they're no longer like in that top upper echelon. They're trying to get their way in because they're still in the rebuild phase. And you look at what's going on with the West. You have Houston. You have L.A., You have Golden State. You also have the potential to get other teams in markets that should be bigger. Such as? Well, for starters, you can get that team back up in Washington, in Washington again. And then on top of that, you also have to bear in mind that some of these quote-unquote smaller market teams, because they've been so dominant, have cult followings. I mean, let's be real. They sell out regularly out in Oklahoma. They do very well with... Thanks to the legacy that we have with the Spurs, they're not hurting for cash.
0: Far from it. We're actually making more now that that stupid uh, St. Louis Spirits deal had been taken care of finally.
1: And that's the big thing you have to look at is, is that... You know, and that's also disregarding Dallas. I completely forgot about them, although they're also in the crapper well, they're right now. The re-
0: they're straight-up tanking. I think Cuban should have said, we're tanking. Like, why, why would I hide what we're doing? We're tanking.
1: <laughs> and that's the thing. It's They're not in a good position. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that when you look at just the media landscape, it is skewing more and more towards the West, and it will continue to do so. And some of that is, is just pure geopolitics at play. I mean... Where do you want to play? Do you, Honestly, honestly, given the choice between playing in Los Angeles, in Chicago, where are you going to go?
0: LA all the way, because they're going to cost about the same, and LA's got Hollywood and all this
1: other stuff. Exactly, and that's the big problem you and run into. And
0: of is still in charge of. I there, mean, do so. you
1: want to get stuck playing in Detroit? I mean they just got a new stadium but it's in downtown Detroit. And that's the whole thing. The infrastructure. I you know, I don't want to get too ridiculous going down this path cuz this is like so off the beaten path from what this podcast is supposed to be about. But you know, the whole thing is there is let's be real. The the city that you are playing in and the appeal of it towards your players from a purely personality standpoint makes a difference and that's a big part of why the West has managed to retain as many superstars as it has because either you if you want the big media markets they're there but if you want the smaller towns that are really nice to live in and treat you well like the San Antonio and Oklahoma City markets guess what you don't have to leave the West in fact you shouldn't leave the West if you want that
0: more importantly one of the craziest parts about San Antonio is that even though it's a pretty big city it still has that family feeling I know we live in Austin but I love visiting San Antonio whenever I get a chance it's not very far and it's just got this great feeling just like I feel at home there even though it's not even my home the other thing is that and this is what makes playing in Texas in general more appealing for some some players the lack of the state income tax let's be honest the take home you could even though your contract could be less than if you played in LA or Golden State you'd be bringing home more money just because you're not paying so much in taxes or even Mm -hmm. in New York and you don't have to deal with the Knicks that's another problem New York's the biggest market but their organizations are run so bad the Knicks are the like the most poisoned organization right now in terms of front office And Brooklyn can't win games to save their lives, although I think they've been doing better recently. They're getting there. But the point is, like, that's the biggest market, and they suck so much right now that no one wants to play for them, especially the Knicks. The Knicks are supposed to be this prestigious, you know, like, they're New York, we're the Knicks, the Knickerbockers, you know. No one wants to play for them because they and keep it's not, screwing everything up. And
1: that's the thing. It's not even a recent development. This is not something from the past few years. This is something like it's been a known quantity ever since I've been following basketball that you don't want to play for the Knicks. It sucks. It's recent in the sense that it's happened in the aughts, in the like
0: late aughts, but it's it's been it's been around long enough that It's honestly starting to really affect them going long-term. Like This is starting to become a stigma, almost as bad as the Clippers are. Because let's be honest, the Clippers haven't been bad for almost a decade now, but we all still go, but they're the Clippers.
1: Yeah, because for starters, even though they're great, they choke. That's just what they do. But then on top of that, you compound it with the fact that as an organization, they've struggled for so long, it's like,
0: Not only that, they share an arena with the Lakers, they share a city with the Lakers and thus a market, thus everyone associates LA with the Lakers, so, you know, no one has room in their brain for the Clippers, and then, of course, the tried and true, they're the Clippers. That's just so ingrained in us right now that even the fact, though, that they've been doing very well, despite all the odds, getting rid of Chris Paul, injuries and everything else, they're still the Clippers. I feel bad for harping on this. I know there's probably at least one Clippers fan who's hearing this somewhere out there eventually in the the far future or near distant past, whatever. I don't care anymore. I'm sorry if I'm offending you, Clippers fan. I'm not trying to. It's just that's how we all see it.
1: It's because they're cost. I'm sorry. I mean you're not wrong, but let's let's back it up. We're getting too deep into the rest of the league. Yeah, uh, I was uh, checking all NBA Spores. Apparently,
0: uh, when he was on assignment with the Austin Spores, Derek White fractured his wrist, so he's out indefinitely for now. Oh boy, throw another one on the pile. To be fair, mm-hmm. he was. To be fair, when asked about playing time, Pop said that there's a nice uh, bench seat that's going to be polished by the seat of his pants this season. There you go. Right, but we knew that he he. Pop doesn't like playing rookies, especially they their first year rookies. He was our most recent draft pick. His job is to sit there and learn and just you know breathe in the information. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, anytime someone gets injured, it's not cool, especially in their first year because you never know what that's going to do to their, you know, their self esteem. You know, it's like this is mm-hmm. my first year and I'm injured. We're you know look at the Sixers; they've had guys who they're lucky that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have bounce back from those injuries because honestly they could easily have gone the way of Anthony Bennett and all those other busts of draft picks. But yeah, um, let's see. Do you remember what the next game
1: is? It's the Spurs was, was the Clippers. I should know. I just got the notification that the Spurs U tickets are going up. So,
0: I guess that's where we segue because of my, but they're the Clippers goes into, but they're the Clippers, because that's who we're playing. Um, Let's see, the keys to that one right now, when we really think about it, Blake Griffin's been playing really well since uh, Chris Paul left. Some people are arguing that, because that's always been the kind of joke that the Ewing effect, whenever Chris Paul gets injured, suddenly Blake Griffin plays better. I think there's legitimate um,
1: truth to that. Now that we've mm-hmm. seen it happen over a course of a few, quite a few games, which now. you know, the thing about it is that it makes sense because now he has to basically do double the work,
0: right? But the big thing is that Blake Griffin has always been better when he has the ball, but Chris Paul almost always
1: has the ball. Yeah, so, so he ends up getting less touches. It's very similar to the Lamarcus situation where, you know, if he doesn't get the ball. He's not going to be able to do anything.
0: I'm not going to lie. This has kind of uh, allowed me to have a better opinion of Blake Griffin because I used to watch him play, I used to be like, why do people talk this guy up? He's got dunks, sure, but those are just dunks. Freaking, I, I don't care about that. I'm, I'm a, a Spurs fan. I don't care too much about dunks. I love a good dunk as much as the next guy, but that's not going to make me say this guy's amazing. It's like, what what does he do?
1: And Yeah, but what about his bank shot?
0: Exactly, or all these other things. I've never seen him be that good, but now that he's playing by himself and he's getting more touches and he's doing these things, I see, I, I'm see. starting to see that now. It's kind of like when I first started watching, I didn't get the hype behind Anthony Davis because everyone was calling him like the next big power forward. Some people were saying he could even be better than Tim Duncan given enough time. And I was like, I don't get it because he had a huge, super down year, but he was injured, playing injured for most of it, so that's why. Then he had that bounce back year last year, and I, I got it then. This is the same thing happening with Blake Griffin right now. So... It'll be interesting. It that it will be interesting to see how we go against him. Cuz traditionally he plays power forward, but now he's kind of playing a point guard kind of role. So that means we're going it will be an interesting uh defensive defensive matchup against him and uh LaMarcus, maybe Rudy really Gay, maybe Kyle Anderson. Oh yeah, maybe even Kyle Anderson, yeah. I mean In my opinion, that's the perfect counter because, as we've already stated, he has great defense. He has the ability to go up against power forwards. And, as we've already stated, he does play point guard, so he knows how the point position is going to run on offense. And, as we've already established, and as he has established, he's a good, solid, sometimes even great defender. Right. The only thing that makes me worry about possibly putting Kyle on there, and this is coming from a huge Kyle Anderson fan is the slow-mo because yeah he uses his slowness to great effect in his stride but Blake Griffin can really drive very fast he it's it's almost impressive how it doesn't look like he's going that fast but you know it it's not quite the Kyle Anderson slow-mo where how is he able to outrun these dudes going so slow, but it's more of like you don't really get how fast he's going until you, you re-watch the replay and you see that the guy he's getting past is running super fast. That's true, but I'm pretty sure Kyle guards people who are faster than him on every game, so... No, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that usually he's not guarding the team's best player. Touche. Though he did guard LeBron James a co- the uh, a couple of pose- not couple uh, for quite a few possessions uh, last season when we played against the Cavs. And that's true, and he's he's improved much as a defender this season as well. So I'm not too worried there. I'm just saying it will be interesting to see that. Um, what about DeAndre Jordan? What do you think we're gonna do about him? He's DeAndre Jordan. As long as we try to prevent him from getting alley oops and. Hopefully, hope that he misses his free throws.
1: Yeah, just just hack Deej. It's what you do.
0: Though he has gotten better I was, uh, as free throws, I'll say no, that. No, for I sure. Think he's and at 50% right now. Yeah, which is, for Deej, incredible. Now, honestly, 50% is where you need to be. Just period. If you're not a good free thrower, get to 50% because then hacking ceases to become a true option because if you're making them pay one point at a time, it stops really being effective. Exactly. Let's see... What else is there to talk about? Yeah, I, I know we haven't really been up to date on the AGB sports commercials. We'll have to look those up sometime. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll do a special over the All-Star break or something. Yeah,
1: Just probably a good idea.
0: Spend the entire podcast talking about this season. Um, Anything else you guys can think of? Not really. I think that's pretty much about it for catching up to the uh, season. Alright, then I guess that's where we'll end it here for now. Um hopefully this means we'll be more back to a more regular schedule. We should be able to keep up this pace going forward. We might not hit that eighty two plus number. Now nah, we will. We still got the whole postseason. But um yeah, we'll look forward to more podcasts. Uh any final words you guys wanna say? Ghost was go. Ghostbus go. go, Spurs go. See you next time.